have it. You face it. These are very cheap arms. <laughs> we, there are some budget cuts. It looks very <laughs> impressive. <laughs> <laughs> like, so a lot of what this started as like a, I guess also Kingston. Are you rolling already? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 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 I think it's this guy right here. Yeah. We always start beforehand because we usually what we realize. Welcome back to the Concast. Uh, this is episode eleven. I'm here with my usual co-host Matty, and finally we and we have uh, two teachers uh, on the Concast this time. So, you know, Derek and Brianna, best teachers currently. Yeah, woo, awesome. Uh, <laughs> thank, you. You. thank you. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Great. Delighted yeah. to be here. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Like, what is this? If you count Jay as a teacher, you guys are like the fourth people, like fourth teachers. <laughs> okay. So, is the plan to go through all of the the KLS? Staff? At this point, yeah, kind of. All right. I remember Dave actually came on just randomly in the middle of an episode. He just said hi. Oh, awesome! So now we've had a director and four teachers now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good. We're making it more official. Indeed. So, one thing I just want to ask you guys, like, just like generally, mm-hmm. like, what were your guys's like first impressions of KLS? Hmm compared to like how you think of it now hmm. Hmm. how we think of it now how has your view changed oh well, i don't know i was thinking like in terms of my first impression it was like i so i came in the spring of 2018 um so y'all's class was in middle school um yeah and I had never taught middle school before, and so I was kind of like, all right, what's this going to be like? Um, (laughs) And I walked into the room. You know, I had been at the school before. I had done, like, an interview and whatever. I had, like, shadowed John, who was the teacher that uh, I came to fill in when he went on paternity leave. But I hadn't been there, like, at the start of the day. And, like, at the start of the day, at least at that time, like – pre-class starting the place was bustling i don't know like the guy the the head of the school at that time a guy named brandon like he would like play an album every morning (laughs) um so you guys like had like music going and there was like announcements that on a slideshow that was like just going throughout the morning along Mm. with the music um there was a student in a corner like with a ukulele just like playing music and i was like that's cool what is going on I (laughs) i later realized that's megan Um, just like jamming away on our ukulele. Uh, and it was just, I don't know, it was a very relaxed and congenial atmosphere. And I thought that was pretty awesome. I feel like, I mean, I don't know how, how much do you think that has continued or not? I don't know. What what was your impression? Oh, my timing is like so different. Um, because I, so when I first came in, I was hired over the summer and the first person I met was actually Derek. I don't know if you remember, you gave me my tour. I do. Yeah. Um, and so I remember coming in, it was just like a couple people and you know, you pull up and you're like, it's an office. Is this the right place? You know, there were no students in the building. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when everyone came back in, it was after you'd been online for so long. Right. So it was like (sighs) that everyone was kind of like, what is it like to be in this space? Right. Um, and, You know, I didn't know, like, who had been here for a long time and who hadn't because, like, everyone hadn't been in the space for a while. Um, so for me now, it just feels like everyone's so much more comfortable in the space, right? Like, I see the mm-hmm. ukuleles and I see the joy and the jokes and all the things that are going on that at first it just felt kind of, like, quiet, right? And now, like, yeah, so much more life and vitality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely after COVID, there was a lot of, like, 
we don't know what's allowed anymore because mm-hmm. yeah. you know the mask mandate was a thing and right there was even the year before that there were talks of like oh we'll come back to school this year and then they just didn't and it was virtual the whole year so it was like right. is this going to be a permanent thing or we still at the school or is it going to like roll back and we're going to go all virtual again i think also at that point there was a discussion about like moving to foothill campus as yeah. well oh yeah, yeah. 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 more information on that i was so confused <laughs> about what happened they were I'm like we're going to go this year and then they didn't and they just, yeah. we were like never mind <laughs> Well, I, the story that I had heard was there was the plan to move, but then Foothill, I mean, as you guys know, Foothill has even more, uh, like, restrictions mm-hmm. than we do mm-hmm. for, like, COVID stuff. And at the time, Foothill in the fall of 2021 was not was still remote. And so if we had moved to Foothill, we would have had to stay remote. And then if Foothill, if and when Foothill went back to being in person – because we are like a high school that was just uh, like basically loaning a building from them, we would be bottom of the list of priorities of people to get back on campus and first on the list of people who would have to leave if things started to get shut down. So it was this idea of like, we don't know when we'll finally get to be on campus and it could be withdrawn really quickly if we do, if things get worse, if, you know, mm-hmm. like when Delta happened or whatever. Yeah. And so we had more control over whether or not we could stay in person by staying here. And we still had the like lease agreement. Oh, and okay. so oh, yeah. we were like, let's just stay here. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, going back to the jokes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. yeah, Derek, I, Kingston can definitely att- like like attest to this. You make a lot of sus jokes, like about, about like Among Us, Appar- like in, in world history. I know like, oh. about this, but because I was make I make sus jokes, like like actually jokes that are that are sus or that use the word sus. That use the word sus. <laughs> oh well, yeah, I made it a I kind of made it a point when you guys got like, you know, Among Us was like this thing that was huge <laughs> during during the remote like year and then I feel like it died and then it like ironically re like reemerged. It did. So, yeah. what, right? But it wasn't ironic. It wasn't like genuinely ironic or it was like let's sing Journey ironic, which is like everyone actually <laughs> wants to sing Journey, but they just like kinda do it with this grin on their face of like, don't stop believing <laughs> Like but they all love that song. So like do you guys genuinely like Among Us or is it just an a pure irony? I based? honestly don't know. I had a very <laughs> different story with most about this because Okay. I thought the game was fine. I had no issues with it. But the people in around, I think it was like February of the remote year, mm-hmm. that would just go, Among Us, sus, haha, that's fine, right? Mm-hmm. That completely killed the game, in my opinion. I just stopped <laughs> liking it. It became so bad. And I didn't really like that sense of humor. And then school started in person. <laughs> <laughs> and people just started saying it every 10 seconds randomly. <laughs> was yeah, happening? I feel like it went away for, like, you know, the remote year, you know, Kingston was in my advisory. Like, we would play Among Us <laughs> in <laughs> advisory. We did. Yeah, we did as um, well. You know, just because that was what you guys wanted to do. And I was like, okay, sure. Uh, but then, like, it feels like it disappeared. And then suddenly, people just started drawing the little Among Us A figure everywhere. And then people started, like, doing, like, it was, like, on the, the map, right? It was that, on the that, cafe that, corner. That is right. yeah. that It was, like, is, every time that is that, And whatever, that was you? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> Right. Um, Thank me, you. Me and Ashant also turned Russia into sussy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it just felt like it was like last year's equivalent of Ashant's con jokes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like- and the year before that's tractor joke <laughs> that you guys would always say. <laughs> and so I was just kind of like, okay, if 
if I, as a teacher, start using it a lot, maybe I'll kill it faster. <laughs> Honestly, I it kind of worked, but it, I feel like while you were doing it, it made it funnier. Okay. Yeah. So, like, but I think it was kind of funny. Like, what? Like, for complete sing, I'm very sing, you said it was sus. I like, called it the sus essay. Yeah. You know, okay. Uh, and then yeah. Anya, um, you know, very, uh, you know, astutely came up with the sus essay. So it was our sus essay. Um, <laughs> I did not hear that. Until yeah. <laughs> That's a glorious portmanteau. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I'm, I don't know if it killed it faster. It seems like yeah. it's always coming back. I don't know that I, I mean, really I intended some... to kill it faster, but it was just yeah. like, there was that, it was something else I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. It was I... some other like slang that I was using just way too much once, <laughs> but like very purposefully. I can't remember. Or was it the sus? Was it that, Was it just sus that I did? Like, <laughs> that I was transparent with you guys that if I just say this enough? Okay. Didn't Jay Bond tell you to start, like, if someone makes a really good essay, just write full slay? Yes, that's what he wanted oh, yeah. to switch the mastery uh, levels to, to full slay, half slay, and no slay. <laughs> I think that's yeah. a great idea, honestly. <laughs> yeah, man. Because like, it, it gets the point across. It gets the point across. It's just as valid, yeah. sure. You know, mastery, at least the way we use it, it's just like a term, right? right? We could use anything else. It could be proficiency. It could be yeah. competency. It could be slay. slay yeah. Why not? Genuinely, actually, like, how do you guys like feel about this mastery-based system? Mm. Ooh, that's a good question. It's hard. It's a hard thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> with this rival system. <laughs> I don't know. If, I mean, I feel like I'm talking a lot, so you should talk. Oh, yeah. I can give my thoughts afterwards. Um, with the mastery, I mean, I think there's. It's interesting because we're both humanists, right? Mm -hmm. So we're coming at it from a different perspective, perhaps than um, you know our STEM colleagues, but. There's things that I like about it in terms of having, you know, dedicated and sustained um, attention to something, right? And wanting mm -hmm. to, and realizing that sometimes um, grappling with something difficult like an essay or a thesis statement might take like many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes a place where we both sort of land is like, but how can we master something in history or literature? And sometimes mastery actually means just being aware of the fact that you don't know everything. Right. And so how would you answer a historical question if you didn't have all the information? Like, do you have the skills to come up with that answer um, or to develop a thesis statement um, about maybe, um, you know, even sometimes if you're like, I haven't done, you know, I haven't read that book yet, but can I like approach it and try to get through it like in a certain way? Um, so I think we both maybe the, maybe I, maybe I don't want to speak for both of this, but that's something that we kind of struggle with with mastery and yeah it. yeah yeah no i think that's right i mean i think one of the things i really like about the idea of mastery especially coming from like when i came to kls i came from a school that was so so amazingly obsessed with like grades with like a to f yeah um that and like the a to f mindset if to me it, it's like it's easy to fall into the idea of like before you take the test, you're at 100, and so every question you take is an opportunity to get less than 100. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like it's a test of your failure, not of your success. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, and so what I like about mastery is this idea of like, oh, no, 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 you're supposed to start at the bottom. You're supposed to not know anything. And then you get better and better. And I like that idea. And I like mm -hmm. the idea of like a single test not being the be all end all. Yeah. And I like that idea of revision. Self pacing, I think, is part of what you're talking about. That feels really tricky yeah, yeah, with the yeah. humanities because mm -hmm. like the key component of our class is discussion, right? It needs to be like us talking about the same stuff to one another. Uh, so you can't like self pace your reading that way one person is like, 
talking about the French Revolution and the other person is way back in the like Stone Age, right? right? <laughs> like it just doesn't work that way. The way you can maybe in like math have like someone who's like still working on their algebra one and another person's gone off to like trig or whatever. Mm. Or we don't do trig anymore, but algebra, pre-calc, whatever. Is there like any sort of like, I guess more positive like uh, effects do you think like a master system has like on your guys' like teaching styles? I mean, I think it's, I think for me, it's made me be much more conscious of like how to build in ideas of like revising work and like building that into the curriculum as opposed to like trying to just be like, okay, do this thing and then disappear. So like, yeah, I feel like yeah. I'm like workshopping things a lot more, especially this year. I'm yeah, really trying to be. Especially the peer review thing that yeah. for, for mm -hmm. modern world, we had this essay and we wrote a draft mm -hmm. and Derek, I didn't even know this was a feature on Canvas, assigned mm -hmm. us other people's essays for oh, yeah, peer yeah. review are like fully integrated into Canvas. That that was like a good system because it allowed you know to go to other people's essays. And right. not only does it get rid of the maybe like the fear someone might have of like I don't know how good mine is compared to everybody else's because mm -hmm. you can see mm -hmm. it. But it also like helps you know just if you notice something about somebody else's, you can just quickly oh you should probably fix this or change this or this is good. Right. Yeah. And then when you see someone else's, you're like oh I like this idea and I can use it. Right. <laughs> and there's like so much of like honestly so much of like good writing is just kind of theft right mm. like not plagiarism gotta be clear <laughs> not plagiarism cite your sources yeah but, but like oh i really like this idea or this style of something and like this approach i'm gonna try to see if i can use it myself you i know? think that's yeah. also how like reading impacts writing as well because yeah. you read something and totally. even if you don't internally think oh i want to do this next time i write it just sort of in your brain you start doing it anyways and yeah it helps build on that Totally. Absolutely. It can be both like on a like larger level where you're like, that's a really good way to end, you know, or you can be like just on the sentence level where you're like, that was like a really nice move. Like I mm -hmm. want I want to take something stylistically like that and integrate it into my writing. Right. Yeah. yeah I feel like the more you read, the better you can write in yeah. that sense. So <laughs> admittedly still doesn't motivate people to read. <laughs> <laughs> true. Well, I, I, I am guilty. I don't of that, know yeah. that people feel like they want to write a lot. <laughs> yeah. <but that's> true. <laughs> it doesn't like if you write a lot, if you read a lot, you'll be better at writing. You're like, well, I don't care about writing, so why do I want to read? And right, like that's hmm. that's fair. I don't know. I still find it weird that like we did not want to switch from Google Classroom to Canvas. Yeah, like now looking like, back, that was I apologize for leaving that. Movement. <laughs> <laughs> I was like the head of that movement, right? People were like, we're switching to Canvas, and because this was right before COVID as well. Or it was that year, yeah, it was that right. same year, I think. And there was also this thing where we were testing out Zoom, but not Zoom, it was like this blue something else. Oh, on, can well, so there was, yeah, so we didn't know about Zoom yet, but in February, like, you know, we teachers, we saw COVID coming, right? I mean, like, anyone who was, like, watching the news could start to see it coming at a certain point. And so we started having conversations about like, what happens if we have to go to remote for a couple of weeks? Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this video from before COVID. It was like, oh, how long is the pandemic gonna last? Some say a few weeks, some say a few months. And the person's like months. And then someone's like, other people say about a year. And yeah. he's like completely astonished two right. years later. <laughs> I know, right? I, I, me still in a mask. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, like, so we were, we were starting to be like, okay, how would we go remote? Do we have to like do, asynchronous kind of stuff or do we want to mm -hmm. try to do synchronous stuff we decided synchronous felt like it was going to be better for like a sense of continuity and so canvas like had built into it a, a um 
a remote classroom setting that was called Big Blue Button or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like Big Blue oh, Button. Oh, that's what that is. <laughs> I see it on my side where yeah, I'm like, why do I want to click a Big Blue Button? <laughs> it's basically <laughs> Zoom, and so we tried it at first, and we like we did this weird thing where we were like trying to test it out while we were still in school. So like I would go squirrel away in my office, but try to teach my class that was in Commons from my office, and you guys wouldn't. I don't know, go and talk to me there. You could probably hear me through my door. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was very odd. And but. that was one of the main reasons I also ended up not liking Canvas to start was because this was like, looked like a website from like 2014. It looked mm -hmm. very outdated. And because typically with Google Classroom, usually if you're like, oh, I think there's a good feature you could add. They're just like, yeah, that's great. I don't care. Mm -hmm. But with Canvas, they actually took a lot of the suggestions that the school made and other schools probably and implemented them because Canvas at the start was definitely bad. There wasn't even a way to look at like all of your assignments in row of due date. Oh. And that was mm. the main thing I had against it because Google Classroom had this like upcoming assignments and it just shows you what right. you need to do. Canvas just didn't have that to start. No, that was probably the main reason I didn't like it. Yeah, the other thing with like Google Classroom is that it's like super intuitive, right? Like we already use Google so much and so we we're just like, we knew how to use it. Canvas is super powerful and super not intuitive. I would agree with that. Yeah. I have to look things up all the time. Yeah, well, like, but once you know how to do it, it's very yeah. great. Yeah, but there's a learning curve. And you know, you guys didn't want to have to deal with a learning curve, which I understand, <laughs> right? Like there was already so many other things you were learning. Why have to learn this other thing on top of it? Yeah, but you got used to it almost immediately once you started, at least from yeah. the student end. Yeah. And all the new features got out, it was great. <laughs> I have no more complaints about Canvas. Let's, let's keep Canvas. Oh, I do. But <laughs> <laughs> I actually, because I, I know some people have like TAs and they know how the back. I have no experience on how Canvas works on like the teacher side of things at all. Mm. Mm. I think one of my biggest complaints it is such a small point, but it was so tedious is the fact that like when you're doing like a calendar. This was especially during the remote year where oh, we were like, yeah, like mm, on your calendar. We were making you got uh, making it clear when you had class and like when to zoom in. We had the zoom link for all yeah. stuff, yeah. and you could do that in bulk, right? Mm -hmm. So I could say like I want from this date to this date to add you know zoom every link. Monday, Wednesday, Friday a zoom link. But then some teachers forgot to like do an end date for that, and mm -hmm. it was like in perpetuity for like <laughs> years and years and years to go, and when you erase something on the calendar from the back end, you can't do it in groups. You have to erase each meeting individually. Oh no. <sighs> Which is why you guys had like Tuba's advisory crew on your schedule. That was that was. Yeah. I, I wasn't yeah. even in Tuba's advisory ever. Yeah. No, <laughs> we still get it. That is the only reason why I did not sync up Canvas and Google Classroom because I was like, I don't need this on my schedule. Yeah. Like, I'm going to manually. But that was why, because Tuba would have had to have gone through and canceled each one of our, and those were linked through the Student Resource Hub because that's why we showed advisory classes. Right. So mm -hmm. we renewed the, the Student Resource Hub class every year, and so it would show back up again until someone deleted oh. them all. And so that's what I did this fall. <laughs> I deleted everyone's yes. How long did that take? Stupid long time, but I was like watching a TV show or something while well, I did it. What so year it was did fine. you get up to? Uh, well, so I should. It was like, <laughs> like it does it every time you renew the year. So it only does it like one year at a time. But oh. as, unless you put an end date of like 2021 or whatever, it would renew the next time you did the class. Okay. Right. Like so, in because we renewed. Student Resource Hub every year. It just it every year. I just so thought you were. 2050 is just like two I just thought you like you went all the way to like the 64 bit like limit. Oh no 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 no. no, no. <laughs> it was Which just like was takes I'm forever. overstating the problem. Yeah, it's not that bad. <laughs> okay, but a year. That's like Damn. 52. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. It was it was 
tedious, but, you know, I was tired. Of, it was – I had gotten to the point where I was more annoyed looking at it every week That's than it. I was yeah. to, like, remove it. Brianna, do you have anything that you didn't really like about Canvas? I don't know if it's Canvas's fault or my own, but I feel like um, – it's just like it doesn't save things very well. <laughs> so I feel like I do things and I'm like, what happened, Canvas? Like, where did it go? Um, mm-hmm. And in terms of like speed grader, so that's like definitely our end. I don't think speed grader is great. I think mm-hmm. other things like Blackboard actually make it much easier to do things in terms of giving feedback. Yeah. Um, and Canvas is actually kind of limited in how you can give that feedback. Yeah, I feel like you c- it buries the feedback for you guys. Yeah. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. I write things oh, and it yeah. goes into it's... it goes into the ether and you guys right. don't actually get a chance to see it. Because on the comments type thing, yeah. if you just uh, – Pretty much the only way, oh, oops, the only yeah. reason I can really see those is because I yeah. get an email saying Derek left a comment, and then I click on that and it shows it to me. Mm-hmm. But right. if you just check the assignment, it just says your grade. Here's your assignment. It, you have to like click on my yeah. submission. Right, exactly. That's like, like I think right now one of my actual biggest substantive gripes. Yeah, I think it makes it really difficult. And then as you're doing it, you're like, I wonder if they will ever read this, <laughs> right? Like, will they be able to find this comment buried here? Right. Oh, thank you. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also, I never understood how uh, difficult it was to, like, give feedback on, like, tons of assignments until I somehow got into possession of a Google Classroom. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, you, well, you want to explain how you got so possession? <laughs> what happened is uh, the Kalis Mandarin class, of, like, this is when Kalis had Mandarin a very, very long time ago. Uh, like Sarah Sarah's Yao, last year. Sarah Yao was the teacher, mm-hmm. and I think she quit. I don't know. She, she left the school. Mm-hmm. And for some reason in that class, she made all of her students – like teachers as well like so oh, they okay. had all the powers of teachers digital version of everyone's a teacher everyone's yes. a student <laughs> yeah and then sarah left the school so that email account got deleted and now right. we just have a bunch of kls students leading a google classroom <laughs> <laughs> and they there was like a whole political thing everyone started like like there was like a bunch of arguments and stuff and eventually there was a coup <laughs> where somebody added me as a teacher and then I moved everybody else. Wow. Uh, so I now own this Google Classroom as in like I control it and sometimes <laughs> there's just a random assignment. I think Amartya does stuff now too and I looked at how to grade stuff and it's just this massive like grid mm-hmm. and it's so difficult to give <laughs> feedback. I don't understand how it works. <laughs> it's so confusing. Yeah. Now, now you're just like that's why I haven't gotten feedback yet. <laughs> I'm like wondering, I'm looking at these assignments. You have to give it like individually, and then if you change the numbers, sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the setting up of the grading is, I mean, also on Canvas, it can be very convoluted, which is also maybe a challenge of like mastery stuff, but just on the technical end. Yeah, it is a tough one. Yeah, and if you change anything right, it resets, and it's like now you have to regrade everything, right? You're like, can't you just like adapt it? Like, can, can right. you? And, um, ma- and like yeah. Canvas wants to just grade everything in percentages. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, I mean, that's that was always for me. But when I, you know the problems last year of like when kids would look at like their grade on Canvas and it was like percentage based, but I wasn't using the percentage numbers at all because I was doing something different with mm-hmm. mastery. So you guys would get like I feel like a really inaccurate picture yourself One of like how you were doing. Definitely made it worse. Is I think <laughs> I'm not sure whose idea was this. Maybe maybe this was a different reason, but. There was like the, oh, over COVID, because they wanted to make sure parents were still informed. They were like, connect your child's Canvas account thing. Mm-hmm. The problem is, it does not, it's very difficult from the parent app to see like individual assignments and grades. Mm. It really just flat out tells you percentage grade. Mm. And so some parents, even if they under, like just my dad in particular as well, mm-hmm. even though I tell them like, you know, the percentage grade isn't the whole thing. It's like this whole thing. And attendance is something 
yeah. I, I feel like all the teachers, is there a way to disable that in the final grade on that? Yeah. Point? Yeah. Nobody does that because oh, I, I thought missed, I do. I'm, uh, I think might. for you, you do. You might. But okay. I, don't, I haven't disabled it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I missed like one of the earlier dates this year of class because I had an orthodontist appointment. It was mm -hmm. necessary. I couldn't really do that. And immediately my grades on Canvas felt like 50%. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it's like because the there's only assignment. Only attendance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so right, my daughter right. was like, why are you failing? Great start to 11th grade. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hot. Yeah, I really want, want like attendance to be an entirely separate thing. If it could be, I don't know. I don't know. Attendance is important. <laughs> Especially, I feel like the Canvas grading percentage also is kind of weird. Because yeah. you can like weight grades. Yep. Yeah. Like teachers, since they don't care about the percentage thing, they just don't do that properly sometimes. Right. So yeah. it's all like really confusing. Yeah, I mean, we're not supposed to be weighting grades in, the, in like the traditional like A through F kind of system, right? Right. So. That's been it's been a, a learning curve I think on the teacher's end of like how to use evaluations in mastery and make it align with the sort of mastery principles that we're trying to implement, you know. I think it's and then I go I go and throw a wrench by like changing my <laughs> definition of mastery anyway and doing the competency thing. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I really like the competency list, by the way. Oh yeah. Ideologically, I think of it. It's great. I really like the idea. I was trying to think of it when I was writing my essay yesterday, mm -hmm. and I had a lot, <laughs> admittedly, it was a lot of like looking at this master spreadsheet and seeing how can I improve each of these things. Yeah. It's yeah. very tiring. Yeah. <laughs> but I like no, the I idea, it. and I'm hoping I can I'm just personally just get better at it as well. It's also mm -hmm. like while we're trying to implement it, just for all the viewers or listeners out there, <laughs> it is very much a work in progress. So, like, if you guys have feedback on it, the whole point of that like spreadsheet is like to be like easy for students to read and understand and so if it is not please let me know because i want to edit it then <laughs> and like make it easier to to read and understand i wonder for like you guys personally like did you guys always know you wanted to go like into like the humanities oh man i did Ooh. i yeah. think i mean maybe early on i thought um Maybe when I was really young, you know, my parents are an engineer and a doctor. So, like, in my first grade drawing of, like, what you want to be, I guess I did draw, like, a doctor. Um, and my, I have a twin sister, and she's a veterinarian. She always knew she wanted to be a veterinarian. Like, mm. absolutely. But I guess, like, as soon as I had, like, a more of a sense of, like, my own identity, I was like, oh, no. Like, I only want to do English or history or French or art. Like, it was all the humanities. Mm -hmm. um, as soon as I realized that the things that people I knew did involved all these things I wasn't interested in. Or, like, interested in, like, pursuing and, like, as a, as a career. Um, so... Yeah, I feel like I gravitated towards that. But I know, Derek, you had a very different sort of journey. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I like, I mean, first of all, I'm just like, I'm, I'm a very indecisive person by <laughs> nature. And so I just kind of, I was also super nerdy. I loved everything about school. <laughs> I mean, academic wise. Um, uh, but yeah, so I liked, I liked all the subjects. I liked taking all these different classes. I never really mm -hmm. wanted to settle on any one thing. Um, but then like pop culture wise, it felt like, oh man, going to be a doctor, you know, like <laughs> want to be, a, you want to do something like doctor or engineer or lawyer or whatever. These are just kind of the things that are out there. They, these are the respectable jobs, right? Like my, and my dad was a banker. My mom was a nurse, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, and so, but I think probably deep down, maybe I didn't really think mm. I wanted to be 
in the sciences. I mean, I think I wanted to do medicine, but it was mostly like I really loved ER and like other kind of like well-written <laughs> shows that, that made it look appealing. So I liked the like literature or, you know, in a broad sense side of the depictions of things. And then in high school, I had this like fantastic chemistry teacher that I just really loved. And like I dug chemistry so much um, and like would like went on I was I went to high school on a college campus I went to high school at LSU laboratory school mm -hmm. and so I was able to take like you guys with Foothill I was able to take college level classes at LSU in chemistry and other kinds of and I loved it and I thought it was great and I was like this is what I'm gonna do okay mm -hmm. fine so I went to college and I was like okay I'm gonna do biology and chemistry and that's gonna lead me on this path to becoming a doctor etc and then you know the people the no offense to the professors at UNC, but y'all <laughs> weren't very <laughs> engaging. <laughs> like, brilliant researchers, but yeah. not teachers, you know? Which, to be fair, like, teaching is like 5 to 10% of their job. And then the rest is like raising money to get grants and go do research. They were very good at that. And then they just read PowerPoint slides <laughs> for their mm. classes. And I was like, I can read that alone, right? It sounds like a Spanish video. <laughs> like a PowerPoint to read it. Yeah. So, uh, and then I just kept, and because I was interested in so many different things, like I, like, I just kept taking all these literature classes and just found that I was really enjoying those a lot more. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like taking the biology class, but I was also taking this Russian literature class where they had me read War and Peace. And I, I took was Russian like, literature too. There you go. Yeah. And like, I, like reading War and Peace was just like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I had a friend who was like, oh, I'm going to be taking this poetry class. You should sign up with me. And I was like, okay, I'll do that on, and then do the anatomy class at the same time and whatever. <laughs> and I was like much more interested in the poetry class than the anatomy class. And so that I finally, at one point, I went home like my junior year and I was like, dad, I want to be a history major and with a with a creative writing poetry minor. And they were like, oh, okay, <laughs> oh, weird. And then my senior year, I was like, I think I want to go to grad school. I don't know what to do. Dad, should I do like a history major or I should go in, like to an MFA program and poetry and he was like Derek I never thought I would ever say anything like this and I can't believe you're making me say it but I think you should study history I think it's more practical <laughs> <laughs> and he's like now I need to go shower I feel too dirty like that all of this stuff is just impractical I feel like yeah. I can agree with a lot of that stuff especially because mm -hmm. I was always like at least so far I've been interested more on the literature side of things but mm -hmm. I don't know Actually, I used to really like math. I used to have been like very into mm. math and stuff. And then I came to KLS, and because I was going from a stricter school to a not strict school, mm -hmm. I just stopped doing it and I stopped caring. Mm. Mm. Versus with like history, it was very like set course, and I started doing that. And then I also kind of like chemistry this year <laughs> as well. Yeah, chemistry's cool. Got the perfect autobiography for you from lab to lab. It's just oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <There you laughs> <go. laughs> The history of Derek Vanderpool. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Move aside history of Western music. <laughs> lab to lab. That's interesting actually though, because like I don't know, I feel like when I was younger, like I was really into history. And then like now I still am, Derek, don't don't <laughs> but it's like You don't have to be, it's it, okay. I don't know, it's like I, I've just like gravitated more towards like just CS and math. I don't know why, I'll be honest. It's just, I don't know, like, it just there, happens. There are definitely those moments where you are sort of given, like, a branching path of, like, because, at least for me, I've never hated any subject. They've all been either fine or great. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so there's always those moments where you're doing something, and you're like, oh, that was really, that felt really, like, accomplishing to do. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, do I do that again, or do I just go back to what I'm used to doing? Right? Mm -hmm. And so it's that choice right. of, like, which, 
ends up being, what do you like? It was literally me and Kem. <laughs> like, do I keep doing this? Do I drop out? Yeah. It's really exciting to get to make those decisions. Like, I remember, like, when I declared my major and when I declared my minor in film studies, I was like, look at me, like, making decisions. <laughs> and I'm deciding, like, what the rest of my life is going to be like. But I think it's just oh. important to remember that you, you can change your mind, right? No, Even if you're, like, taking, like, that branching path, like, literature will be there or chemistry will be there or you know like all these things still exist and even if you're like declaring to the world like this is going to be my focus like it doesn't mean that all those other things fall away i mean yeah mm-hmm. there's always like, like a choice to most people even just don't do what yeah. they originally planned to do yeah there's always the second option right well and like i think most people also to that end don't even do like what they major in in yeah, college right, right. you know yeah like, it leads them to a new opportunity and they're like this is actually what i really like right yeah so like you know yeah. maybe if you like physics so uh, someone likes the physics right mm-hmm. but maybe they think it's the math part but they end up liking like the little part about particles and all that and so yeah. they switch to that right, right. It's finding what specifically you like about something broader exactly totally. i mean i do believe that if you just like follow things you're interested in it will lead you to other things you find interesting <laughs> mm-hmm. you know and so it's like okay like uh I don't know, like when I finished and I did my Fulbright, I was like, oh, I'm really interested in going to Indonesia and I want to study Indonesian. And then I was like, oh, actually, like teaching and I'm going to go do this. And it like led me down like all these different things. And you're now when I tell people that I like studied Indonesian, they're like, that doesn't have anything to do with your life anymore. Yeah. And you're like, well, yes, and my life just went this other way. Right. And I was doing something else, but it kind of you're just following this like path yeah and <laughs> yeah. The other things kind of stick yeah. with you in different ways too they come out in different ways right like i don't know it, do you have anything like from that time where you're studying indonesian that like stays with you like even if it's just like artwork that you collected that now is in your house or yeah i mean i don't know i mean there's a lot from my time um i lived in south sumatra and palembang um i you know met a lot of people that i'm still really close with Right. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is just like the people actually. I mean, I have a lot of things still. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people come into my house and they're like, wow, this looks like you bought it in Indonesia. And I was like, I, I did. Right. <laughs> 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 right. Um, and, uh, you know, and that's why it's here. Um, but yeah, I think that it's something maybe that's affected me now is that. Um, you know, my, my PhD is in British literature and like having that experience helps me think like beyond like just like US and British lit and like remembering that there's literature like all around the world and right. it's just like being conscious of that and like having taught students, um, you know, who weren't studying like American literature and British literature and talking to them about what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. British literature class one, Brianna, come on. Yeah, where's, British. Where's British literature? Yeah, yeah we have where American are we li- do British British lit? I'm yeah. ready, I'm ready. I'll do it any day. <laughs> But you mentioned you lived in Indonesia for a while. Have yeah. you lived in like, how many like other countries have you lived in before? Um, well, I did my year abroad in the UK. So I studied at Pembroke College. So I lived there for a year. Um, those are the ones that I've actually lived in. Oh. For, I guess, like a year. If we think like a year is That's, like you actually yeah. live a place mm-hmm. and not like just visiting for a sustained time. Was yeah. it at Pembroke that you got interested in British literature? Or? Yeah, so that's like another thing where I was like, oh, I want to study abroad. And I was like, oh, this looks really cool. And then I'm there and I'm like, oh, well, if I'm here, I need to study British literature. So I took all these courses and then I came back and they're like, what do you want to do your senior honors thesis on? I was like, British literature? I don't know. It's like all I've thought about for a year. Because um, at Oxford, of course, you only take classes like in your major. So I'd only taken English for a full year. Um, mm-hmm. I hadn't done anything else. 
Um, and then, yeah, and then when I was applying to grad school, it was like, oh, well, this is what my writing sample's in because it's my senior honors thesis. And it mm-hmm. just kind of guided me there. And I am really passionate about it, but it's like, it just sort of, it feels like it just happened. It wasn't, that wasn't like a conscious decision. Right. I was like, I'm going to do my, like, you know, spend eight years writing a project about, <laughs> you know, British literature like I did in my, in my doctoral program. <laughs> <laughs> What, yeah. have, where, have you lived like multiple different countries yet? The only other country I've lived in is France. Um, so, yeah, just the U.S. and France. Multiple, not not even all that many states. Louisiana, North Carolina, California. Really? Mm-hmm. You feel like I'm more like well-traveled person. I mean, I've traveled to other yeah. places, but like in just yeah. in terms of like living in some place. Like so, yeah. When I graduated from college, I moved to southern France. I was living in Bordeaux. Um, oh. There and I taught I taught English as a second language to mm-hmm. elementary school kids in Bordeaux. <laughs> so, so you, wait, so you went from elementary school to then high school to then middle school? No, I went from elementary school to College. undergraduates yeah. and graduate students, yeah. and then back to middle school and high school. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you, you so got, I have the full I have the full bingo card basically. <laughs> you, just, you, just, you just need like pre, like preschool, and then you've got it. Yeah, totally. Oh, I mean, in high school, I guess I was a babysitter, so maybe I've got that preschool. <laughs> you know, maybe I've done it. But no, that, <laughs> it was it was super fun to be like it, so in Bordeaux. It was usually it was like like European cities are kind of the opposite in structure in some ways of like U.S. cities. Like yeah. I feel like U.S. cities, the place that at least for a long time you didn't want to live was the quote unquote inner city, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's the suburbs that you go. So many like white flight people going to that was wealthier. And in like at least in France the innermost part of the cities are the wealthiest and like poshest parts. And it's the suburbs that are like basically where they force all the sort of immigrants and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, uh, people to, to live. So I was teaching in the suburbs. So most of my students were like North African immigrants or Roma kids. Um, mm-hmm. And it was super interesting to see. It was like a part of France that I had never seen before when I had gone to visit with my family. Um, so that was really cool. And got me, I mean, I was already doing French history before that and like my undergraduate thesis, but it just like showed me a whole lot more. And then I was like, yeah, I want to study this. And so started applying to grad schools while I was living there. What, what is led you to like move out of France to some other opportunity? To move out of France? Like, I don't escape France. I mean, so, so like, so I've lived in France at two different separate occasions. So the first time in Bordeaux, the reason why I left was because I started graduate school. Oh. Um, so I was starting to apply to graduate school, which was also really fun because, like, funny, at least at the time. I was, you know, I applied to a couple of different places, got accepted at Stanford, uh, and st- started going there and decided to go there. And, like, all of my relatives at the time, it was, like, the period where, um, well before y'all's time, um, when California had just, like, kicked out its governor. They had recalled their governor. Uh, and replaced him with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and <Okay>. so... <laughs> I forgot he was governor. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. It's before y'all's time. So, like, all of my friends were, like, mocking me, like, you're going to go to the Terminator state? Like, what's going on, you know? Um, and, uh, but, like, yeah. And then uh, the second time I lived in France was actually to go do research abroad. And, like, there I would have stayed entirely except... Uh, it was the year of like the great recession Mm. right um and so like the economy was totally tanking and all that stuff my wife had gotten basically a year off from her work at at an academic library to come live with me in france and like 
if we didn't move back and her reclaim the job, the job was going to disappear. And so wow. it was like, do I stay and do my research here and write, or mm. do I move back to the U.S. and, like, my wife gets to continue her career and her pursuits. And so mm -hmm. I moved back to the U.S. Right decision. <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, like, what, like, not, not just in KLS, but, like, what is the, like, what is the most favorite, like, class you, like, you two have, like, probably taught? Whoever taught? Ooh. Yeah. Taught. Oh, my gosh. Both at KLS and not at KLS. Well, I mean, at like, KLS. <laughs> what, what about KLS? It's, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't expect it to be at KLS. I'm going to be honest. I, 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 no, no. It could be, like, but. I have to choose between my classes. <laughs> um, I mean, the way you, as you think about this is, like, course material, right? Yeah. Like, more than, like, because it's the not, like. Are like yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, not to, like, just flatter you guys, but I, I do think, like, if it's a question of students, it would be here at KLS. I mean, mm -hmm. I feel like I've gotten to know all of y'all so well in a way that I never got to know any of my teacher, my students before. And yeah, it just makes true. teaching so much more pleasurable, mm -hmm. I feel mm -hmm. like, to like actually have a real connection with well, you. I can't imagine that, because I feel like if you don't, like, have, you're not that, like, maybe close or, like, more personal with your students, it always seems like if, like, you were, like, a professor or something, just talking to, like, a board of, like, a hundred random people who you don't really know, I don't know, that's kind of, like, I would be, like, a little nervous each time I yeah. to do anything. I don't know, but, like, how many, how big were the, like, the lecture classes at, at like, at... USC. Oh, that I the either you taught or that you were or that you were in. Yeah, the students might have um, taken. Well, students would take. I mean, like sure, surely there's always like 200 person classes. Right. I always taught writing intensive classes, so there was only ever 14. Oh, okay. it's actually really nice. Yeah. yeah. And um, but are they in the quarter system or semester? Semesters. System? Okay, yeah, so it's a so little longer. A little longer. Um, I always really liked that. You know, it's hard because I feel like it's like asking someone what's the favorite book they've written. It's always the one they're doing right now. Right, like I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, we're doing such exciting stuff right now in like U.S. literature, um, you know. I think, and mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I guess, like, if I think at USC too, probably my favorite, or the one that was like most special to me is I taught um, a seminar called Dolls, mm. and because my dissertation was on dolls, and this class was basically um, I'm trying to remember the description. You know, but it was something like, um, why do we make things that look like us? And what happens mm. when oh. they, um, you know, when, if they can, if we tell them their secrets and they suddenly start telling them to others, like kind of going through all the different um, things. So we read a lot of really weird texts. Um, mm. You know, we read a text called The Youngest Doll by Rosario Ferre, Aura by Carlos Fuentes. It's just like really kind of fun things. We watched Toy Story. Uh, you know, that's why I'm always talking about Toy Story. I love it because it's so... Yeah, um, it's such a perfect. Interesting. Yeah, we did Ghost in the Shell too, because um, there's like the doll army at the end of that, yeah. and they wrote like I don't know. It was really fun. They wrote great papers. They had to present them at a research conference at the end, and so it's really fun because everyone's like doing these things, and That's my cool. students were like, "Let me tell you about Toy Story," you know, <laughs> and, and like read their presenting their papers. But I felt like yeah, it, it was just fun to sort of see the research I was doing, kind of have this other weird life in the classroom. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Where's the Kalis Dolls class? We Where's that. the Kalis Dolls class, the I know. <laughs> yeah, totally. Once we get more English teachers and history teachers and we can start teaching electives, that, yeah. that'll be That's when we can do I, that I, kind I of really stuff. Like isn't modern elective technically? Yeah, modern yeah. is an elective this issue. Year, what I've liked is that the more electives that you can choose from. Because mm -hmm. before, uh, in like previous emails, it was like, 
oh, and you get to pick your electives. It was like, yeah, right, it's just art and computer science. Nice try trying to pick yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I wanted two options here. And they're also like mutually exclusive. You can do both. You have to pick which one. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> Yeah, but that's what happened as, you know, you grow in size, you are able to get more options. That's why even when you sent out that form of like, oh, which history classes Mm. would you take? I thought it was like, which one you were just going to offer to the whole school that year. And Uh, then I heard it was an elective thing, and I was like, I'm going to take as many as I (laughs) can. How how is that, taking both GoPro and Modern? Actually, pretty good. The one thing I've noticed is sometimes I'm more excited for one class than the other. Mm -hmm. Not like consistently. It's just like today I was like, oh, we have that essay that we're peer reviewing. I was Mm -hmm. excited to go over that because I worked on that essay. Right, right, right. And I didn't have homework for you guys for For GoPo, so so it was kind of like a mystery. So it's always like sometimes there's that like, oh, which one? (laughs) It's also like both times with Derek in the morning and (laughs) last day. Yeah, yeah. You (laughs) bookend your day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like open with Derek and close with Derek. Exactly. I'm, you're welcome. I'm sorry. What was your favorite time? <laughs> you kind of oh, uh, no, no, no. Uh, I mean, I, at Stanford, I would say, I mean, so there was a class that I designed that I really liked. It was a class that I, I called in, uh, it was called The Art of War. Uh, but it was not. It was not. Um, not Sun Tzu. It's not Sun Tzu. Oh. It was. Did it have Sun Tzu in it? No. What? <laughs> it was using art as a primary source to examine conflicts in 20th century oh. Europe. And I, I bet someone has made the Art of War picture book. That has to exist. Probably. So, but it was like. So I was using like the British poets to to look at World War One, right? Oh. You know, Wilfred Owen right. and. Yeah. Uh, Siegfried Sassoon and and things like that, right? And you sort of have this you have this transition in poetry that occurs like with mm-hmm. the First World War, going away from a sort of more like esoteric and kind of like I don't know flowery style to a much mm-hmm. more grounded modernist kind of poetry style. And then you see the opposite in visual art, mm-hmm. where. Um, it go from like modernist pre-war to, to sort of returning to a realism kind of after yeah. the war with like, you know, if you look at like Picasso's paintings before and like during or immediately after mm-hmm. the war, they're like strikingly different. So it's like looking at that, like how does these conflicts shape sort of culture? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool. So I got to do like poetry. It was like visual art. I got to like talk about like um, memoirs, mm-hmm. film, all these different kinds of cool things as like, history sources that I don't usually get to do at least in like a standard course now where I'm yeah, usually like doing documents. Usually you usually always like tie art into it somehow and like especially with world history. I yeah, it's what I mean I'm unit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean my 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 research I mean was always related to sort of politics, but it was like politics and culture mm-hmm. and sort of how they were connected and I always like using that kind of stuff as sources. And then another class I didn't I was like the writing fellow for so I would I didn't design the course myself but I was like basically helping to execute Mm -hmm. it was a course that was actually British history and art both and like it was a project-based learning course where we the kids developed two different art exhibits uh through our research uh one that was on photography from um oh god I'm forgetting the, the name of the photographer off the top of my head um but the, like Stanford had some of his like prints, mm. and so they put on an exhibit at the Cantor Art Museum of his work, and was analyzing it, and like that was the sort of the blurbs that were under the paint the pictures, oh. and yeah. then the other one was on 
the second exhibit was basically on World War One posters from Britain because uh, Stanford has a huge, huge, huge poster collection. Yeah, I don't um, know why do they have. Is it like posters? propaganda posters like that? Or yeah, yeah mm-hmm. basically, yeah. So it's because of Herbert Hoover. So that Herbert Hoover sense. was a Stanford student. And he, before he was president, he ran a, a very interesting life. Yeah, he and also a very charitable one. <laughs> yeah, so he, yeah, he basically ran a like uh, a charity to like sort of help recovering countries in, after after the First World War. And while he was there, he developed uh, a hobby, basically, of collecting posters. And so he mm-hmm. started that, and then it became uh, a bigger and bigger thing. And so now Stanford through the Hoover Institution there has like one of the largest poster collections out there, which is awesome. And I would love to like do a KLS class of like basically repeating that kind of idea. Have you guys build an exhibit at Stanford or something like that? Yeah, I would love for us to like get into an archive. Yes, I really want to get into an archive at some point with you guys. KLS archives. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that'll be something. You know, I almost thought about building one. Like when we were, when you were here, we were like culling the the books, you know, Mm. back in 2021 getting rid of like all and we had all all of these books that were like late 90s computer books oh we could have our own like computer history museum and i was like i want to create an archive of like because all of your parents were donating these books that they never used and it was all the like the books that they had learned how to code and whatever back in like (laughs) linux from 1980 something or whatever (laughs) but it would be a brilliant archive for you guys to like do a history of like like my dad like there's this row in like my dad's bookshelf where it's just like a bunch of java books from like the like the 90s (laughs) right exactly like a lot of that i don't understand why you own all but people are very att- sorry people are very attached to their books yeah i don't know? understand it, it. and then my yeah. dad has this office and it's just like a book on like practically every five years of history from mm. like yeah. <laughs> almost like zero bc just <laughs> counting mm. upwards right speaking of books there is actually a graphic novel of the art of war <laughs> 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 that is good oh yeah wait actually i think he owns that as well. yeah. <laughs> He always tries to get me to read it, and I'm always like, the graphic oh, no. novel version? I, I don't know. I the graphic novel. Like reading it. Oh man! All right, last That's thing fun. before I let you guys go, I want. I'm curious. Oh. What are your guys's like favorite like out of context quotes that you guys have for yourself? Oh, oh I don't know that I'm aware of how many of the out of context quotes that have been recorded of me. Okay. This is- how about that we do this? I'm going to read a quote, and you guys guess if it's <laughs> you or Brianna. Oh, yeah, that's actually a good idea. Oh, This okay. was unplanned. But that could be a fun game. I just thought of this like two minutes ago. Okay. <laughs> really good. Okay, I have to find one. Oh, okay. I, I want to find a good one, too. Yeah, because like, uh, they've been oversaturated. It used to be very good stuff, you know, like teachers saying the earth is flat, you know, out of context. Right. <laughs> but that's useful. And then they ended up becoming just random gibberish. Yeah, I feel like there was one that they got me last year in my government and politics class where we were talking about the civil rights movement. And <laughs> uh, I was talking about sort of like what was causing, what led to sort of a rise of the civil rights movement and sort of its acceptance by the broader American. Because obviously African Americans have been like, fighting for their own civil rights for decades, but why did it start to catch on afterwards? And one of the things we were talking about was, you know, World War II, basically this like fact that we were sending soldiers over to Europe to fight against an autocratic regime that had a racist system put in place meant like when people came back, they were like, wait, what? Huh? We, we also have this kind of autocratic and racist system here. Maybe we should do something about that. And, a student had like made that point and then another student basically repeated the point 
and they were like, yeah, you know, fighting the Nazis helped. And I was like, yeah, 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 the Nazis, that's great. But like, <laughs> and that became an out of context quote. All right, all right, I found one. Okay, Derek or Brianna. So it's a crime to say dumb things. All of y'all would be in jail right now. That feels like me. That feels like it's you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... <laughs> <laughs> like... We didn't even fuck with this. <laughs> okay. Um... Man, I'm sorry. That sounds so mean. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I said that with a, like, it was with a light a... tone. <laughs> I feel like it was definitely your GoPro class. I'm not going to lie. It was probably lie. like a lighthearted comment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, there's this one. I heart boobies. Oh, that's your GoPro project, right? Was it? <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't make sense. No, there was the bracelets that people wore, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a free speech issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a case of, like, can people wear, like, it's limits of students' yeah. free speech. And so there's a case where, like, uh, these students were, like, raising awareness of breast cancer. And so they came to cancer, uh, came to cancer, came to school. <laughs> God, that's going to be in the out of context. <laughs> uh, yeah, they came to school wearing I Heart Boobies bracelets and I Heart Boobies shirts, and they got suspended. And then they said it was a violation of their free speech rights. And uh, they won, I th if I remember correctly. Hold on, that doesn't even make sense. Isn't it a... Well, was it a public or private yeah, school? Yeah, public. Oh, then mm. that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a private school. That right. doesn't make sense. But at the public school where some students... Uh, put up a, a poster that said bong hits for Jesus, they oh. did not win their free speech case because that, like, supporting a cancer movement is, like, okay, the cause of the speech yeah. is justifiable, whereas endorsing drug use is not a justifiable cause of speech, and therefore you can limit it. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to find a good one. Man, this is me sucking the fun out of all of the out of context quotes. I feel yeah, like. really. Well, I mean, it's still as good to know that. I mean, sure, sure. I, I, like, I, I'm reinstilling the context. Right. <laughs> okay. There, there's two. Okay. Is that a senpai imposter? A senpai imposter? Yes. So S E N P I P A I imposter. That has to be you. I don't know what that is. I don't know what a sun pie is. All right, it, it was you. It was me? Yeah. I don't know. What that. is a sun pie? <laughs> um, it's, ja it's supposed to be Japanese for like senior. So like like, uh, like someone's like senior is. Uh, okay. I'm not sure. What I don't even know <laughs> yeah. where I said I don't that. Know. Maybe you were reading someone's name or like in okay. like a kahoot yeah. or something and someone wrote it down. Uh -huh. right. There's this one. Extra point for Among Us reference. Oh, that might have been me. That one was you. <laughs> okay. All right. We have yeah. deemed it plausible to tell. <laughs> yeah. Let's do one last one. Uh, okay. This one seems to be a good one. Um, ah, this is a classic. I feel like you might know this one. I saw at least four shirtless men when scrolling through these. These through those. Interesting. <laughs> I saw at least four shirtless men when scrolling, scrolling through the, these. Scrolling through through the, those, period, interesting. I think that has to be That you. has to be me. Yeah, that has to be about. like... I'm not going to lie, Brianna, you don't have that many good quotes yeah. on here. Oh. We need more good We need more need good Brianna. out of context Brianna Rep for quotes. Brianna. Get I feel Brianna like quotes. I'm learning that I just need to shut my mouth more. No, we, these, these are things we enjoy. This is, this is what students enjoy. <laughs> okay. To be fair, that was from last year because I didn't check from this year. Oh yeah. Um, oh, has it been, has it been kept? Oh, that's what yeah. yeah. is. I think it started in like 2017. 
Yeah, it definitely was, was already underway when I first came. Egan there. made it, and then he gave own Egan. Uh, Egan. Wait, no, so that had to have been in 2018. Was it 18? Okay, I, th I thought Soren started it no, for Egan some reason. No, Egan made it, and Soren oh, okay. was an editor, and then Egan passed ownership to me. Ah. But the problem is, it had already fallen like pretty much applied at that point people were just putting random things that weren't really even funny at the point that uh, i just kind of didn't touch it and then it just got worse <laughs> i don't people ended recently people started making their own out of context quotes books mm. like for each class like the sophomores have one the juniors have one oh really so, yeah okay God, we feel like we need, we need to do another episode sometime where we ask you guys questions of like the KLS student culture. Student culture. Yeah. Like, I want to know what you guys. Actually, I don't want to know necessarily. That's probably not a great idea. We just have an episode that just like, like, like for like, quote, like, did Vip Haas say this? Yes or no? Did, did, <laughs> yeah. That was the <laughs> that was the 11th episode of the Concast. Uh, thank you two for coming on. This was actually really enjoyable. Uh, I'm glad we did this. Uh, see you next time. Yeah, bye. Yeah, thank bye. you for having us. Bye. <laughs>